Welcome to the Vineyard Altoona podcast. If you have any questions or just want more information, you can visit our website at vineyardaltuna.org or any of our social media platforms at Vineyard Altoona. And now, here's Evan with the message. It's, uh, it's good to be with you this morning. It's, it's different to be up here um, and not down there, um, but it is, it's good nonetheless. I am the cultivator of young people's hearts who are currently in an academic period of study. That's my title here at the Vineyard. Thank you. Thank you very much. No, I'm the campus ministries pastor here at the Vineyard. I work with an organization called the CCO out of Pittsburgh. We partner with local churches and organizations to minister to college students um, at universities across the country. Um, and so uh, a couple fun facts so that you can get to know me a little bit. I wish I could get to know each one of you a little bit more, but I have a mic. You don't, so we'll just do this one way. Um, I'm originally from Washington area, PA. I mean, in Washington, PA. Yeah, Washpa. Whoop, whoop. Um, uh, so I'm from Washington area of Pennsylvania, just south of Pittsburgh. It's where I grew up. Um, I went to uh, back up. I'm, my dad is a Presbyterian pastor, and my mom was a stay-at-home mom. Um, she raised three boys, three of them. Um, I am the middle of the three boys, okay? So I'm the middle child. Any middle children out there? Yes. Yeah, we have a support group. It's great. <laughs> Give you more details later. Um, so I'm a middle child, uh, and I was also homeschooled, okay? So I, I was homeschooled from, uh, from birth all the way up until college. Any homeschooled people out there? Anybody? Couple? Okay. All right. Yeah. I, was that a thumbs down? He was like, yeah, unfortunately, uh, whatever. Um, we don't have a support group for those. We don't like to gather in, in small groups. It's awkward. So I like, I like to say, I'm, so if you caught it, I'm a pastor's kid. I'm a middle child, and I was homeschooled. So I hit the trifecta of awkwardness. I like to say I'm about as messed up as God makes them. But I came out relatively unscathed, relatively. My therapist might tell you different, but... So that's me. I, I got into ministry six or seven years ago. Again, I went to Waynesburg University. Um, I was involved in a CCO campus ministry there. And just as I was about to graduate, my campus minister, her name was Becky Giuliano, uh, she came up to me in, in church. I was getting ready to graduate, didn't quite know what I was going to do. And she said, Evan, you know, you're pretty good at this campus ministry thing. You seem to like connect well with other people and share the gospel and you can do all these things. Have you ever thought about working for the CCO in campus ministry? And I said, you have to raise money to do that, right? And she said, well, yeah, that's part of the job. And I said, nope, thanks, I'll see you later. And I ran the other direction. I jonahed it, and I went to Mississippi, actually. I ended up in Mississippi, and I spent some time there. Um, and it was rough. Sometimes it felt like I was in the belly of a whale. It was very hot and humid. And, and God pulled me back up here north. And after a, a, a year or two of kind of wandering around and trying to figure out what God wanted me to do with my life, um, I, I started to feel this calling back to campus ministry. And, and at our, our big conference that we hold in the spring called Jubilee for the CCO, I went to promote a camp, and, and I, I talked to some of the staff there, and all these people that I really loved and appreciated and wanted to be someday when I grew up, they were, they'd all said, hey, we used to work for the CCO, we used to you know, be a part of a CCO, we, we used to do this campus ministry thing, and I thought, well, if I want to be them... I should probably do what they do. And that was how I ended up in campus ministry. I, I said yes to what I thought God was calling me to. And so I, I applied for the CCO, which stands for Coalition for Christian Outreach. 
And I got accepted. They were like, yeah, we think you can do campus ministry. And so I joined, and the way that it works in the CCO is you apply to join the CCO, and then after you get accepted, you interview at different places to see where you're going to be placed, what university you're going to be working at. And somebody asked me at one point, they said, Evan, where do you think God wants you to be doing campus ministry? Where do you want to end up? And I looked him in the face, and I said, you know, I, I'm really open to whatever God has in store for me. Like, I'm I'm ready to go wherever God calls me to go, but just dear God, not Penn State. <laughs> Never tell God those things. <laughs> Never tell God those things. God, God also, he has a sense of humor, and so I'm here at Penn State. But he is also compassionate and gracious, because when I thought Penn State, I thought, you know, University Park, you know, and God said, how about this, this, this smaller place called Altoona, Pennsylvania, and there's a Penn State campus there, and there's great people, and you should go do ministry there, and that was like six and a half, seven years ago. I don't know. I lose track of time, but um, I've been here ever since, and I've learned to call Altoona home. I've learned to love it. I've planted my feet here. I met my wonderful wife, Abby, who was from Bellwood and uh, runs our kids' ministry. If you want to volunteer in the kids' ministry, you should. Um, I got married, and, and we've planted our feet here and opened a business. Um, uh, many of you know that this is my part-time job. My other part-time job is working, uh, uh, running a business called Profits Melt Shop, which is a specialty grilled cheese shop. So that's, that's, a, that's a little bit about me. Maybe more than you wanted to know. I don't know, but that's a little bit about me. A quick update on campus ministry. It's going well. All right. Um, no, I'm kidding. It's going very well. Um, we're really excited about what God is doing on campus. Um, we're kind of in a rebuilding year. We've had a lot of shifting and changing in the last uh, year. I've, I joined the Vineyard in partnership with the Vineyard to Reach College Students uh, about a year, a year and a half ago, two years ago. And then COVID hit. And it was like, well, guess we'll figure out what it looks like to minister to college students in the midst of a pandemic. And so Last year was, was weird, the last couple of years was kind of weird, but this year we're settling into a rhythm of, of inviting students over to our house. Abby and I host students on Sunday night for dinner and board games, and it's just a place for them to like decompress and, and feel welcome and at home and to experience the peace and the love of God. Um, and then we have a Bible study on Tuesday nights um, that we do on campus where we are currently studying the book of Matthew, which is really exciting. And so that's, that's kind of the foundation we're building and we're moving on from there. If any of you want to volunteer in, in campus ministry, I'd love to talk with you. I just had a great conversation with somebody yesterday who wants to donate a, a lot of food for our campus ministry, for our meals on Sunday nights. So if you, if you have any interest at all, please come find me. So like I said, I'm not normally up here. I'm normally down there. Um, but preaching is something that I think God has gifted me with that I have not developed over the years. Um, I, I'm, I'm, I'd like to think I'm decently good at it, but I'm what I'm realizing is that it just gets harder every time because every time I get up here, I feel more and more and more unworthy to speak the word of God and to expound on it before you because I know that I will be held accountable for what I'm going to say today. And so I want to start our time in the word with a word of prayer. So if you'll bow your heads and join me. Holy Spirit, come. God, would you come and be in this place? Would you fill your house with your presence?
God, would you speak supernaturally through me? Would I just disappear, God? Would I be nowhere near here? But would you shine through? Would your words be spoken? Would you come through clearly? Would you move in the hearts and minds of all of us gathered here today? God, this is your kingdom and your world, and we are your servants, and so we submit ourselves to you. I submit myself to you, God. May I fall away, and may you be present. I pray these things in Jesus' name, and all God's children said, amen. So why do I do campus ministry? Why do I do campus ministry? You see, growing up, I, like I said, my dad was a pastor um, in the Presbyterian Church. And, and I, I thank God because my parents gave me a solid foundation on which to grow. They, they taught me the word of God. They shared with me what it means to follow Jesus. They helped me understand that, that I'm, I'm a sinful person, that, that I am not right with God, but that through Jesus, I can be made right with God again. They gave me this foundation to stand on. They, they introduced me to the life of the church and how to get involved, and, and that foundation has paved the way for, for my life. So parents who are teaching your kids how to follow Jesus, keep it up. It works most of the time, sometimes, Spirit of God. Um, so I, I was following Jesus as a young person and into high school, and when I got to college, is when I started asking good questions. It's when I really started digging into my faith and asking what is this all about. And, and, and what I understood, what I began to feel was this, this sense of emptiness, that I didn't have the whole story, that it wasn't all there. You see, I knew that I wasn't right and that I needed the grace of God to forgive me. I knew that. I knew I'm, there's something wrong with me and, and I need Jesus to come into my life and, and, and to heal me and to forgive me. I need the grace of Christ. I knew that. And I knew that I was supposed to go into the world and I was supposed to invite others who didn't know that to know that. I was supposed to invite other people to know Jesus and to know that they weren't right either and that they also needed the grace and the forgiveness that Jesus offered. I knew these things really well. But what it began to feel like was we're in a club. We're in a, a Jesus club. So we're in the Jesus club and we do the things that Jesus told us to do. We, you know, we got to do the good things. We don't do the bad things. Good things, good. Bad things, bad. Got it. I got that. So I'm in the Jesus club. I'm doing the good things, not doing the bad things. And I'm supposed to invite other people also into the Jesus club. So we get people into the Jesus Club so that they can do the good things and not the bad things. And that was what faith was about for me. And I knew that one day God would come back and he would judge and, and we'd be held accountable for all of the good things and the bad things. And I was like, well, that's terrifying. But okay, if that's the way it is, that's the way it is. And this was my, my worldview, the way that I saw faith, that we were in the Jesus Club and we needed to get other people into the Jesus Club. But it was in college, as a part of a CCO campus ministry, that I discovered the whole of Scripture. That Scripture was about more. 
don't get me wrong, these things are important. We have to know that we are forgiven in Christ. But there was more to the story. That scripture was bigger than that. And it was in college that I discovered this framework to understand the whole of scripture. I want to summarize it very quickly with you. Some of you have heard this before. It is familiar to you. Some of my students are probably like, please stop telling us about this. I won't. Um, Scripture can be broken into four separate chapters. Four separate chapters. Creation, fall, redemption, consummation. Creation, fall, redemption, consummation. Four chapters, all of Scripture. Let me break it down real quick for you. Creation, Genesis 1, God creates the world and everything in it. And he looks at everything he's made and he said, it is good. God creates a very good world. And he puts humanity into it and he says to them, be fruitful and multiply. Fill the earth that I have created and rule over it. Rule over the fish of the sea and the birds of the air and over every living thing that lives upon the earth. Jerry um, used, talked about this just a few weeks ago as we were talking about purpose for our lives. What is it that is our purpose? Part of our purpose is to rule over the creation. That's what Genesis tells us, is that that was our job. That's creation. Fall. Things didn't go quite as planned. Humanity betrayed God, the creator who made all things good. We decided that instead of worshiping God and serving God as the creator, the one who deserves worship, we were going to follow our own wants and passions and desires. We were going to do what we wanted to do, and ain't nobody going to tell us no different. And as a result of that betrayal, we were banished from the Garden of Eden, from the presence of God. You see, we were in intimate relationship with God, but after our sin, we were banished. That's the fall. That's Genesis 3. Genesis 4 begins the plan of redemption. And many people would argue it actually starts in Genesis 3, but, but the redemption begins. You see, God was not satisfied to allow the creation that he had made and the people that he had created and loved just wither off into nothingness, victims of their own sin and disobedience. And so God put into plan, put into place a plan to rescue and redeem all things. He said, this is all mine. I'm going to redeem it. I'm going to take it back. And so from right after humanity's sin, all the way up until Jesus came, God was working that plan. And in Jesus salvation has come. Jesus came so that we might have life, so that we might be rescued from the mess that we had made. Because of his great love for us, God sends Jesus to rescue us from death, and he provides a way for us to be welcomed back into the kingdom. That's redemption, creation, fall, redemption, consummation. The scriptures point to a day when God will return and make all things that are wrong right again. He will fully redeem his creation. He will take back all that is his. And he will usher in a reign. And what's so amazing about seeing the scriptures through this lens is that it helps us know where we fit 
in this story. It gives us place. It gives us purpose. And it gives us meaning. You see, we are invited into this redemptive story of God redeeming his creation. We're invited into new life through repentance, personal regeneration, and also invited to participate in the larger story of the gospel that is God's redemption of all things. We fit right between redemption and consummation. And it's that that we want to dig into a little bit today. Today we're continuing our series on the kingdom. Derek ushered in this series last week um, uh, called Breakthrough, and today we're going to continue that. Derek um, helped us uh, learn a little bit about that, that a kingdom is defined as the right of a king to rule or exercise authority. So the kingdom is the right of a king to rule or exercise authority. He helped us understand the clash between the kingdom of God and the kingdom of evil. And that one day, the kingdom of God would overthrow the kingdom of evil, and God would reign forever. Okay? And, and that, that we are called to pick a side, to choose whom we will serve in this cosmic battle between God and evil. Today, we're going to look more at the kingdom of God, its nature, and our place in it. And to do that, we're going to turn to Luke 17. If you have a Bible, you can turn there with me. I'm reading from the ESV. I'm not sure. I guess it's ESV up there, too. Cool. Um, but if you have a different translation, that's okay. There are two things I want you to notice about the kingdom through this passage. The first, this kingdom of God is now. It's now. The kingdom of God is now. But it is also not yet. It's not yet. It's here, but it's not yet. And we're going to dive into that in today's message. So let's, let's look at uh, Luke chapter 17. We're going to start at verse 20. Luke 17, verse 20. Again, reading from the ESV. Jesus has, has just performed uh, some miracles and done some teaching, and he's being confronted. It says, being asked by the Pharisees, these religious rulers of the day, when the kingdom of God would come, he answered them, the kingdom of God is not coming in ways that can be observed. Nor will they say, look, here it is, or there. For behold, the kingdom of God is in the midst of you. Also translated as among you or within you. The kingdom of God is in the midst of you. And he said to the disciples, the days are coming. When you will desire to see one of the days of the Son of Man, and you will not see it. And they will say to you, look there, or look here. Do not go out or follow them, for as the lightning flashes and lights up the sky from one side to the other, so will the Son of Man be in his day. But first he must suffer many things and be rejected by this generation. Just as it was in the days of Noah, so 
will it be in the days of the Son of Man. They were eating and drinking and marrying, oh, excuse me, um, just as it was in the days of Noah, so it will be in the days of the Son of Man. They were eating and drinking and marrying and being given in marriage until the day when Noah entered the ark and the flood came and destroyed them all. Likewise, just as it was in the days of Lot, they were eating and drinking, buying and selling, planting and building. But on the day when Lot went out from Sodom, fire and sulfur rained from heaven and destroyed them all. So will it be on the day when the Son of Man is revealed. On that day, let the one who is on the housetop with his goods in the house not come down to take them away. And, and likewise, let the one who is in the field not return back, or excuse me, not turn back. Remember Lot's wife. Whoever seeks to preserve his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life will keep it. I tell you, in that night, there will be two in one bed. One will be taken and the other left. There will be two women grinding grain together. One will be taken and the other left. And they said to him, where, Lord? And he said to them, where the corpse is, there the vulture will gather. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Okay. So there's, there's a lot in here. We're not going to get to all of it today, but I want to unpack a few things. First of all, um, Jesus, again, had been teaching about the kingdom. He had been, he'd been teaching about the kingdom. And so the Pharisees, when they come talking to him, they're asking for cosmic signs that would indicate that the kingdom had arrived. They were expecting the Messiah, the one who would come to rescue them, to come with grandeur and pomp and circumstance. They expected a grand entrance during which their enemies would be defeated. And a new political kingdom would be established, accompanied by cosmic signs of the conquering king's reign. This is what the Pharisees were looking for. They were looking for something big. And we know that that's not how Jesus shows up on the scene. He shows up in a manger as a little boy. He does smaller things. So, so Jesus, he doesn't give them the answer they're looking for. Instead, he points them in a new direction, declaring that the coming of the kingdom is not about magnificent signs in the sky or the regalia of a king conquering another nation. Rather, the kingdom is already here. The Pharisees have missed the boat. They were expecting this large event, and God says, or excuse me, Jesus says, no, it's already among you. It's already here. It is in your midst. Jesus says the kingdom of God is, and, and the Greek word here is entos. Um, I, I, it's, it, it's translated as these, these couple things, either as among you or within you or in the midst of you. It has a couple of different translations here, and I'm going to admit that I spent a long time studying these translations, and I don't think I actually landed on one that I'm like, yeah, that's it. This is good. Um, my wife can testify that I, you know, Late nights when I was like, I don't know what's going on here. Um, so I figured I'd just give you all of them. <laughs> you can decide for yourself. So um, the first translation of this, of this word entos, the kingdom of God is translated as possibly within you. The kingdom of God is within you. It's within the hearts of the disciples. 
okay, is, is the thought at what Jesus is saying here, that the kingdom of God is spiritual in nature, that it, it, it comes from the heart. And this certainly lines up with much of the teaching of Scripture, where Christ points to his kingdom being not of this world. Just previous to this teaching, Jesus had laid out several parables about how it was the heart that mattered most. It was the, it was the things inside that really, truly mattered. And so this would line up that the kingdom of God is within us. It is the heart where the kingdom of God is. Not material wealth. And therefore, it's consistent with his teachings to see this as Jesus pointing to the true nature of the kingdom as being of a spiritual nature. The kingdom of God is within you. It begins in the heart. And it overflows from there. The kingdom of God is within you. Now there's another translation. The idea is the kingdom of God is among you. Or is in your midst. The challenge to the first translation is that Jesus seems to be responding to the Pharisees. Okay? He's, he's, he's you know, talking to the guys that challenged him. And they clearly were not operating in submission to Christ. And therefore couldn't have the kingdom within them. So why would Jesus say the kingdom of God is within you? Why would it be in these Pharisees? So therefore this word entos must be referring to the kingdom's presence among them. Or in their midst. And he could possibly be referring to the disciples and their acts of love and obedience... Or perhaps he's just referring to himself. He's saying, I am in your presence. The kingdom of God is standing right in front of you. I think no matter which of these two translations you settle on, it's clear that Jesus is speaking to the right nowness of the kingdom. It's not something far off, either in time or distance but it was among them at that time. In Jesus' presence with them and in the reign of God manifested in those who were already following him. So it's clear, no matter what way you look at it, the kingdom is here. It arrived. In Christ, the kingdom of God has arrived. He declares his rule and reign and calls all people to surrender themselves back to him and submit to his rule. And yet, despite this revelation to the Pharisees that the kingdom of God has come, he then turns to his disciples and begins to teach them about things to come. Let's, let's reread um, Luke 17. We're going to start at verse 22. Um, just after he said the kingdom of God is among you, he says, and he said to the disciples, the days are coming when you will desire to see one of the days of the Son of Man, and you will not see it. And they will say to you, look there, or look here. Do not go out or follow them, for as the lightning flashes and lights up the sky from one side to the other, so will the Son of Man be in his day. But first, he must suffer many things and be rejected by this generation. Let's stop there for a minute. So, there's this, there's this revelation that the kingdom has come. That's exciting. That's worth celebrating. But then Jesus turns to the disciples and he said, guess what? Things are going to get harder. Things are going to get worse. You're, you're going to come to a point where you're going to wish for the days of the Son of Man. Now, Jesus could be referring to 
um, there, there'll be a time when they'll look back and go, man, remember when Jesus was with us? That was such a great time. That was so great when Jesus was right there with us. So he's saying, you might long for that day when I was there. Or he might be pointing forward and saying, you're going to long for the day when I come back. You're going to long for the day when I return. But either way, clearly he's not with them. They will long for this day. And he said, before those days come, before either of those good things happen, I'm going to suffer. I'm going to suffer. For just as it was in the days of Noah, this is a verse 26, so will it be in the days of the Son of Man. They were eating and drinking and marrying and being given in marriage until the day when Noah entered the ark, and the flood came and destroyed them all. Likewise, just as it was in the days of Lot, they were eating and drinking, buying and selling, planting and building. But on the day when Lot went out from Sodom, fire and sulfur rained from heaven and destroyed them all. So will it be on the day when the Son of Man is revealed. Things will, will have a sense of normalcy for many people. I don't, Jesus is not pointing at any of these things and saying, these things are bad. He's saying people are going to go back to their lives. They're going to be doing everyday things. And in that moment is when the Son of Man is going to come. So although we can rejoice in the fact that God's kingdom has been inaugurated, it is now. Jesus came and said, my kingdom is now. It is right now. I have declared my rule and my reign. Clearly, he's going somewhere. So although we can rejoice, we so often experience the reality, the hard truth, that God's kingdom has not yet come in its fullness. The kingdom is now, but it is not yet. And this isn't hard to parse out. This isn't, this isn't something I feel like I need to prove to you, because I think you all know this. You know that the kingdom of God is not yet in its fullness. There's a, my favorite band in the world, I would say, is a, is a group called the Avid Brothers. Anybody know the Avid Brothers? Any? 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 Okay, one hand, two hands. Okay, we'll take it. All right, we can commiserate later. Um, so one of my favorite bands, the Avid Brothers, they have an album and a song that came out a number of years ago called True Sadness. I love it. I love it. My, friend, my, my friends and family are laughing because they're like, wow, you're such a downer. But I love it because I think because at the heart of this song, True Sadness, is this idea that if you look, if you talk to anybody, anybody in this room, you can look around you if you want, you talk to anybody in this room and you, you look long enough and hard enough and deep enough, you're going to find true sadness. You're going to find hurt and pain and trauma and disappointment. You look long enough and hard enough and deep enough, you're going to find it. This is true for everybody in this room. I know that if we sat down together, that we could find it. That you all have experienced the not yetness of the kingdom of God. You know that the world is not as it should be. That life has not treated you as you expect it to. That something is wrong. That you expected love and acceptance and truth from people. And what you got was rejection and lies and hatred. All of you have experienced this. It is not hard to look at the world and understand the goodness of the kingdom of God has not yet come in its fullness. Are you with me on this? I'd hope so. 
The kingdom is now, but it's also not yet. John eleven thirty five. It's the shortest verse in all of Scripture, English Scripture. It's two words. Jesus wept. See, Jesus is on his way to go see his friend Lazarus, who is sick. And he receives word when he's on the way that Lazarus has died. What does he do? He weeps. He weeps for his friend Lazarus. Now he's on his way to go raise him from the dead. That's the story. Jesus knows the redemption and the restoration that is about to take place. And yet he still sits down and weeps. Even Jesus felt the not-yetness of the kingdom of God. I'm going to take a little pause here for a hot second to let somebody know that the pizza has arrived. <laughs> Intermission. Da -da 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 -da. The pizza guy's giving me a thumbs up. Let's give the pizza guy a round of applause, everybody. Pizza guy. For those of you who are wondering why there's pizza, there's a kidsmen meeting after church. That's what happens when you join kidsmen, you get pizza. Jesus wept. What a transition. <laughs> the kingdom is now, and it's not yet. And God, in the form of Jesus Christ, understood that the not yetness of the kingdom was worth weeping over. And I'm sure each of you have at times wept over the not yetness of the kingdom. You see, the king has, he came, he proclaimed his rule and reign, and he gave us every spiritual blessing in Christ. And then he left. And he promised to come again. John 14, 3 says, If I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you unto myself, that where I am, you also may be. The king has left, but he's promised to come back. He came, he inaugurated his kingdom. He said, he said, my kingdom has come, but it is also not yet. Kingdom is now, the kingdom is not yet. So what do we do with that? How does that affect our lives? As I bring us towards a conclusion, let me offer you um, some thoughts from my own life. I told you all I run a sandwich shop, right? Well, really, Tyler, who's over here, runs the sandwich shop. Let's be real here. Tyler's our manager. He does most of the day-to-day -day work. I think about the shop a lot. I go shopping for it. I, I move it in a direction, but Tyler runs the shop day-to-day -day for the most part. He's great. So, so I, own it, I own a sandwich shop, and, and me and Tyler, we keep it running. Okay? Why do we do this? Why do we own a sandwich shop? So about a year and a half, two years ago, I, I've always wanted to open a restaurant. And as the pandemic hit, I thought, well, maybe this is it. Maybe it's time for me to move on from campus ministry and to do something different. Maybe God's calling me to something else. And so some opportunities came up, and I explored them with my wife, and we thought, okay, what are we going to do? Well, I, don't, I, don't, I don't know, you know. And this, this dream of mine to, to open a restaurant kept coming up to the surface, and I thought, well, maybe it's time. I didn't think it was a time, but the government kept giving me money, and I was like, this must be a sign. <laughs> like, I have money, let's do it. <laughs> and so... So as we explored that, I was like, I think we should do this. I think maybe it's time. And, and doors opened for us to open this sandwich shop. 
And so we kept walking through them. But what was clear to us as we kept walking through these doors, what was clear was that it was not yet time for me to be done with campus ministry. It was not yet time for me to be done working with college students. I felt that very deeply. I was like, you know. Because one of the hallmarks of the CCO and our ministry to college students is this idea that everything we do matters. That there is nothing that we do that is, not out, that is outside of the rule and reign of Christ. And so in opening this sandwich shop, I want to do a couple things. First of all, I wanted to demonstrate for my students what it looked like to follow Christ in a job that seemingly had nothing to do with following Christ. Okay? I wanted to show them that, that just because you make sandwiches or you're a rocket scientist or whatever it is you're studying, you can still follow Christ every day. I wanted to show them that. That was one of the things I wanted to do. The other thing that I wanted to do was I wanted to share with, with you and with everybody else who walked into our shop the goodness of God through food. You see, we believe very deeply at the shop that God loves good food. Amen. Thank you. Amen. Amen. We believe, yes, yeah, Casey's, Casey worked for me for a while. She's, she knows. She knows. We believe that God loves good food, that good food is not something that we humans came up with our own, on our own, but that God said, you know what? I'm going to create things that you can put together and heat up a little bit, and it's going to blow your mind. <laughs> Woo! Cheese? I mean, come on. Like, talk about the goodness of God. Anthony's family makes cheese. They know. They participate in the goodness of God. We wanted to show people that, that the kingdom of God was now. That we didn't have to wait till God come back, came back someday to enjoy the good things of God. And, and while we're there, we minister to people and we pray with people. And we like to give people jobs because we think in the kingdom of God, we take care of people. It's what we do. And in the kingdom of God, we enjoy the good gifts of God. And so we wanted to speak prophetically to the kingdom of God that is coming by making food that we think will one day be eaten in that kingdom. Right? It's awesome. Because we think that there's a, there's a passage in Isaiah. I'm going a little long, folks, but I'm going. So you're with me on this or whatever. So there's a passage in Isaiah that says that on that day, when Christ returns, there'll be a feast. And at that feast, there will be rich foods and fine wines. There'll be rich foods and fine wines. The richest of food and the finest of wines. Now, I don't have a liquor license, so I, I can't do the fine wines, which is okay. That's it's messy. But I can do rich food. I can do rich food. Yeah, I know rich food. I know rich food very well. So we make grilled cheese to the glory of God because we believe that one day when we gather around the Lord's table, when he returns, I bet he's going to have grilled cheese. And I bet that it's going to be better than any grilled cheese I ever made. And so I want everybody who walks into our shop to get a taste of that kingdom, a taste of the goodness of God now. We're not open on Sundays, so not today, but tomorrow you can come and you can taste a little bit of the goodness of God through a sandwich that we hope to make you. Now, here's the thing, though. We know 
that we get to live into the kingdom of God now, but we also know that it is not yet. We know that God has not yet come in his fullness, and so cheese is, is bad for us in a lot of ways. Cholesterol, whatever it is, I don't know. I don't, you know. We'll figure that out someday. But we know that, that we live still in the not yetness, that the kingdom of God, so, so, so our bodies are still falling apart, and we know that we're not always going to get it right. We, we burn soup a lot of times. Don't worry, we throw it out. But that's, that's, every time we burn soup, I'm like, that is the not yetness of the kingdom right there. Soup going away. We, we have waste, friends. It bugs me. We have waste. We have a lot of plastic that we throw away. There's a lot of, there's a lot of things I would love to do to, like, better. We're, we're working with the Rices. If you don't know Anthony and his family, they make cheese out in Williamsburg. And we're, we're, I'm, trying to, I'm starting to work with them because I want to, to support local people who are working full-time to make really good things and, but yet we still use like cheese that gets made, I don't even know where it gets made. And that's unfortunate, but it's, it's, we have to at this point so that we can stay in business. And so we, we still live in the not yetness. Everything is not as I want it to be in this shop. But yet, we still get to live in to the now. The, the kingdom is here, and we can live into some of the things that God has, has done for us. And so... Um, one of my favorite writers, uh, Stephen Garber, he says, we have to make peace with the proximate. We have to make peace with the fact that we cannot bring the kingdom in its fullness. We can only get maybe a little bit close. We can maybe brush the kingdom. And in that getting close to the kingdom of God, into the, in that living into the now, we point toward the kingdom to come. We say, this sandwich is good most of the time. But one day, you're going to have a sandwich that's really going to blow your mind. And not only that, you're going to do life with a God who loves you and is going to give you everything you ever hoped for. I have a prop because, you know, I get extra points for having a prop, right? This is my prop. This is a sign that um, my, my wife got me for Christmas a couple years ago before she was my wife. Um, it just says the kingdom outpost, okay? The kingdom outpost. A friend of mine who used to live with me, he, uh, we would invite students over to the house, and one day he was on, I told him to text some people and let them know my address, and he said, what do you want your house to be called? I was like, what kind of question is that? And he said, I'm, I'm making your house a place on Google. Like, your house is going to have a name on Google. What do you want it to be called? And I was like, I don't know, Evan's place? <laughs> seemed right to me. I said, no, 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 wait, wait. Call it the kingdom outpost. And I told my wife this story, and so she had my my father-in-law made this sign for me, and and, uh, it hung up in our house for a long time. And now it hangs in the shop, just above where we put sandwiches together. Because what I believe very deeply about the work we do is that we are an outpost in a broken world for the kingdom of God that is yet to come. That God has allowed us to live into his kingdom now, and I can make sandwiches for the glory of God in this place right now and point to the kingdom to come and say, that's really what we want. That's really what we're hoping for. That's the thing that we're after. Why don't you come alongside and follow me as I follow Jesus? 
Because he is the king. And his kingdom is coming. And to his reign, there will be no end. We will live together with Jesus forever. And I will be able to take this sign and break it over my knee because God's kingdom is here in its fullness. But until that day, I can only point. I can only say, guys, this place right here is the kingdom of God but not fully, it's still coming. The kingdom is now, and it is not yet. Thank you again for choosing the Vineyard Altoona podcast. We're so excited to see how God will release his kingdom in and through you today for the glory of Jesus Christ. With this, be blessed, and we'll see you next time.